Good evening and welcome to the first of a four-part Royal Rumble series here at the Turnbuckle Post. I am Johnny Podcast, joined now as always by Mr. Jesse the Body. Jesse, how are we doing, buddy? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, just got my running around done for today and now ready to sit back and talk about probably one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. It's one I always look forward to and I'm sure it's one you look forward to as well. And that, is, of course, is the Royal Rumble. We were originally going to do this as a two-episode podcast, but we're actually going to do uh, split this up into four parts for the next two weeks, uh, dedicate a little bit of time to this event. Uh, as, I, as I said, it's one of my favorite pay-per-views, and I really don't – we didn't want to rush this, so I hope everybody can sit back and listen and enjoy some of our memories and uh, views on each event. That took place from 1988, and we will end with the one that took place this year, which mm-hmm. would have been the 34th Royal Rumble. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> Jesse, I owe you an apology. Uh, we were supposed to start taping earlier, but uh, I uh, tucked in my my little guy, and I fell asleep as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting a later start than we intended. So I do apologize for that. Oh, it's it's perfectly fine, man. I, I understand. Yeah. I ain't got nowhere to be tomorrow, so. Okay. Cool. So, talking about this, we we're going to talk about try to talk about eight to nine episodes tonight. Probably eight on eight uh, uh, tomorrow night. Then the other eight or nine next next week, and then mm-hmm. end it with the last eight uh, uh, Royal Rumbles that took place. So, to start us off. Uh, the first WWE Royal Rumble event took place in 1988, and it was a television event, actually, that aired on USA Network. Mm-hmm. It didn't, be, didn't become a pay-per-view to the following year. The reason why this took place was to counter the NWA Bunkhouse Stampede event that we've talked about that was a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So Vince and the WWF felt if they put on a special show like the Rumble on USA Network, it would hurt the viewership of the NWA PPV, which it did end up doing that. Right. Uh, of course... WCW did the same when WrestleMania 4 aired by Aaron, the television special Clash of the Champions. So it was kind of a, a petty back and forth battle there in, in 1988. Right. And and as we talked about with uh, the War Games concept, that was a uh, like that was the grandchild of uh, or the, the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Pat Patterson was the one that came up with the concept for the uh, Battle Royal, or the Royal Rumble, I should say. Yeah, the first one took place uh, actually in Canada, in, uh, in Ontario. Now, this followed the 87 Survivor Series, and of course, with the lead-up to WrestleMania four. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it was just a special for the USA Network. They just wanted to do something to, to counter the uh, Bunkhouse Stampede, but they also wanted to build interest and hype for the upcoming Hulk Hogan-Andre the Giant match that would take place the following month at the main event, which took place here in Indianapolis, of course. That was the famous uh, incident where Hogan got screwed out of the title by the twin referees, and the title was held up and was uh, put into a tournament that took place at WrestleMania 4, won by Macho Man Randy Savage. So the con. The contract signing actually took place at this Royal Rumble between Hogan and Andre. The, they mm-hmm. threw a little wrench in there by having Ted DiBiase because before this, Ted DiBiase tried to buy the title off of Hogan. Hogan said no. And, you know, so DiBiase paid for Andre's services 
Rondre basically told him he would hand him the title if he won it. So that was the big caveat. That was the big uh, thing they they did into the Royal Rumble to get some to get viewership for it. Hmm. Yeah, and it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, I'm looking at the entrance. It wasn't like a, a who's who of anybody. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't even the main event of the show in the original. <clears throat> it looks like in the original uh, incarnation of it, and it was a 20 man battle royal. Yeah, they they wouldn't go to the 30 man concept until the following year. And honestly, I think 30 men was perfect. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was the perfect number. It wasn't. Uh, you know, we, we found they did they did do a Royal Rumble, which we'll talk about next week. That was 40 men, but, you know, that was just maybe a little bit too much. So yeah. 30 was just perfect. You know, it was not not too many and, and not not enough. So I, I thought it was good. But, yeah, this one was just it, it was fun. I mean, so basically the rules of the Royal Rumble, if nobody knows, is that two men start off in the ring uh, every 90 seconds or two minutes thereafter. Another entrant would enter the ring. Uh, elimination occurs by going over the top rope where both feet must touch the floor to be eliminated. After all uh, 30 participants or 20 in this case entered the ring, the last man standing in the ring would be declared the winner of the match. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan actually ended up being the winner of this uh, Royal Rumble. Yeah. And, one thing that um, I've always found interesting about the Rumble is I, I know that they they choreograph certain spots and they obviously they have who they want to win, but a lot of the Rumble is on the talent to uh, make unique and lasting impressions, and uh, I think that's why it's one of our. I mean, I think that's one of why it's one of my favorite pay per views is because they get the opportunity to really to ad lib um, and make make something that they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, that, that was my point. <laughs> so uh, one thing that stood out about this first one, though, was Bret Hart. He actually had a pretty good showing in it. Uh, I think he went, I believe he went uh, 45 minutes or 25 minutes. I'm sorry. He went 25 yeah. minutes in, in this match. So he was kind of the, uh, the Iron Man. Mm-hmm. For yeah, probably an early showing of far as far as uh, Bret Hart, you know, the singles competitor. Um, as you said, uh, twenty five minutes in the in the initial Royal Rumble, and like, like I said, I, I mean, there was other big names in it, like the Ultimate Warrior was in it, but but for the most part, I mean, it was like we said, it was won by Hacksaw Jim Jim Duggan, who, you know, for better or worse, was probably a career mid card guy. Um, and so, you know, I think that was an opportunity for, for Brett to elevate as a, as a singles wrestler. Yeah. It, did, it didn't lead to anything. We, we you know, yeah. later war rumbles would actually lead to something going to the winner, but this was just a fun little event to put on for the, for the fans. And it was more about hyping up the big, um, yeah. Andre Hogan match to take place on, on the main event. So oh, after that. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I was. It was bragging rights. You know, it was like you know the initially the King of the Ring. Also, it was just a something that a wrestler had to hold over you know his his peers and, and storyline. So, um, it, so yeah, bragging rights was was basically all you got from the initial Royal Rumbles. Yeah, and then we would head to uh, 1989. Uh, this one was you know would set up uh, WrestleMania five. But it was uh, this was the first one to take place on pay per view, and they upped the ante 
from 20 men to 30 men mm-hmm. uh, in this Royal Rumble. Uh, what was unique about this is the fact that this was where they started to push where it is truly every man for himself because, uh, and this had to be a coincidence, the tag team known as Demolition, Axe and Smash, both drew numbers one and two to start the match mm. off. So it's kind of the quick, they're kind of pushing that, you know, every man for himself. Yeah. And they and they did. They battled it out until Andre the Giant got out there at number three, and then they joined forces. But they wanted to push that right away that, you know, friendships didn't matter. It was all about, like you said, bragging rights. Uh, yeah, like this said, was a pretty fun. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like you said, every man for himself. Um, and this was the first one that Hogan was actually a, a participant in. Yeah, and I and actually this is the this is the first one where you really started to see the seeds of dissension between him and Randy Savage. They were a tag team known as the Mega Powers. Mm-hmm. So this was the first event where I believe he Randy Savage was in a feud with Bad News Brown. Hogan eliminated them both and Savage went back into the ring and got into it with Hogan. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth had to come and calm things down. So uh their major split wouldn't happen until the next month at at again the main event. Yeah. But this sowed that seeds of dissension that the WrestleMania five main event was obviously going to be between Hogan and Savage. And I'm surprised Hogan didn't go over in this one, but he actually got eliminated in this match by uh, Bossman and Akeem, the Twin Towers. Yeah, which that, you know, that set up that tag team match that, you know, was famous later on. Um, <laughs> yeah, more, more so for Akeem's famous <laughs> flop. <laughs> flop. But, <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, Big John Studd actually ended up uh, winning this one. I think they gave him the win just because he was a longtime employee. He was a, he was a giant. You know, they probably would have given Andre a win, but I think it, you know, he was just getting older and probably wouldn't be as believable with as slow moving as he was around for him to actually win the match. So they gave yeah. it to their second best big man who could still move and still move around, which was a uh, big John Stud. Yeah, and it looks like the Iron Man of this uh, particular Royal Rumble was Mr. Perfect, uh, clocking in at 27 minutes, just a, just a hair under 28. Um, obviously Kurt Henning, one of the greatest, you know, in-ring technicians that we've, will ever talk about on this show. Um, but, but he had a strong showing in that Royal Rumble. Yeah. Also, um, the most elimination, Hulk Hogan had the most eliminations actually with 10 mm-hmm. and the, and the warlord actually went, made history by only being in the match for two seconds. He got in the <laughs> ring and was immediately clotheslined out by Hulk Hogan. So he, he gets that honor of having the shortest time up to that point of only being in there for two seconds. I was going to say, I think at some point we're going to talk about somebody that just got in and jumped right out, and I don't remember what year that was. But yeah, I, I, it, the performer was Santino. But okay. when we come upon when we come upon it, I'll I, I don't remember the year either. But it was uh, yeah, it was yeah. Santino. <laughs> and like like I said, the, that's that's the fun thing. Um, and just just off topic for one second, that that's the fun thing about the battle royal concept is is anything can happen and it's not what you would normally see. And I think that's what makes rest or that's what makes the Royal Rumble so special is that it's always something different. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something for everybody. And sometimes they have a lot of star power. There are some slow moments in the match, mm-hmm. but once, you know, I mean, there can be too many guys in the ring, but we, once you start having the, the eliminations happen, that's when it really starts to get fun. Absolutely. And, and because it's, it's not always a predictable match. You don't always know who's going to win. No, and a lot of times you'll see, like, a big, you know, uh, congestion of people in the ring. Like, there'll be, like, you know, 
I don't know, 10 guys. And then you'll have one big guy come down to clear them all out. And uh, that's, that's part of the fun of the, of the Royal Rumble too, is to try to, and especially in the, in, in the recent years, it's, you know, it's all about returns and uh, shocking debuts and um, just, just all kinds of just crazy stuff that you would never have expected to see. And uh, well, obviously we'll talk a lot more about that here probably next week, but um yeah, they they had other matches at these Royal Rumbles. So the Rumbles yeah. wasn't just the Rumble match itself. They yeah. had other. They'd have three or four matches, you know, to kind of fill out fill out the time. Yeah. But um, I remember two two at this Royal Rumbles that the Million Dollar Man actually bought his number. I think he he was supposed <laughs> to enter on like number four or five, and he ended up get buying the number thirty spot from uh, the uh, manager Slick. So he Jeez. he was number thirty, and it was down to him instead. Instead, ended up throwing him out. So jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love that Ted always tried to buy his way to the top and it never worked. Yeah, yeah, it never worked out for him. No, and it's funny because he was a you know he's a vanity you know it was a he was Vince McMahon for lack of a better you know without almost without a filter and um, you know it's it's funny that Vince booked him that way that he, he always failed. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, he ended up creating his own championship, and I believe it was. This year, he he created the million dollar belt. Since he couldn't buy his his own title from the WWE, he he created his own. It was a pretty good looking belt. Yeah, and they brought it back for you know a couple of times throughout the years. I believe when he brought in Steve Austin as the ringmaster, he mm-hmm. made him the million dollar champion, and Virgil held it at one point. So, yeah, it's been around for a while. Yeah, it was, it was a cool belt, uh, diamond studded, and it's big money signs. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So that would, of course, that would, that led into WrestleMania five. Hogan versus Savage. Hogan, of course, won. And then we would go to the next year, nineteen ninety Royal Rumble match. Uh, again, on pay per view. Um, one of the things I remember about about this match is that uh, Hogan was the champion. He was the WWE champion and mm-hmm. was in the match again, like he was uh, the year before. Mm-hmm. But also, um, the Ultimate Warrior was starting to pick up steam. He was starting to become a huge fan favorite. He was the IC champion, mm-hmm. and we would see the seeds planted for the ultimate challenge that would take place at WrestleMania Six between Hogan and Warrior in this Royal Rumble match. Yeah, um, you know, both of them being in it. This this was a pretty star-studded um, Royal Rumble with the two of them. You know, Rowdy Piper's in it. Jake Snake, Randy Randy Savage, uh, Ted DiBiase set a, a Royal Rumble record with being in it. For yeah, he, he, was, he was actually number one. He bought his he bought the number thirty the year before, and he entered at number one in this one. Yeah, and he actually lasted for forty four minutes. Um, and that sometimes that doesn't mean much because the guys will hide or, you know, avoid confrontation. But still, forty four minutes is a long time to last in a in a Royal Rumble. Yeah, Hogan and Warrior they each had six eliminations each in this match, so they eliminated yeah. the same number of people, and you just knew that it was because there was a point in that match where them two were face-to-face with each other after they eliminated everybody, and you knew that was going to be the main event for WrestleMania. Yeah, and that, that um, was one of probably, probably. I mean, and we'll talk about it at some point, but that was probably one of Hogan's greatest matches of his entire career, to be fair. Uh, not not the Royal Rumble, but the WrestleMania six. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, and this Royal Rumble actually came down to him and Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumor backstage was that Mr. Perfect was actually supposed to win this Royal Rumble because he was undefeated. He didn't lose his first match until uh, that WrestleMania when he lost to, of all people, Brutus Beefcake. But he had a, an undefeated record, and Hogan 
pulled his creative creative uh, strings back there to make sure that he was the one that actually won the match. And I imagine the conversation went a little something like this. Well, you know something, brother? I got to win the Royal Rumble, brother. So it's got to be it's got to be down to me. So perfect wins, dude. These people ain't gonna be happy. They want to see these twenty four inch pythons, brother. Brother, brother. Are you in brothers? I think that was that was quite a few. I actually, there's a meme I, I I've intended to share on our Facebook page, but it was a uh, Maury Povich, and it has Hogan on there, and it's like, you are not the brother, and <laughs> he's like crying. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's listen, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but I can imagine that the conversation went about why Perfect didn't win. I thought I thought it'd been fun to have Mr. Perfect win, but I could see how is you know they wanted they probably wanted to send the fans home happy by having a face. But even if per- Perfect won, Hogan could have went back in and just threw him out and did his posing and all that. I mean, I just yeah. No, Hogan was no. already the champion. It didn't really do much for him to to win the Rumble, especially considering the following year. Yeah, it's like putting a hat on a hat. I mean, you're already the champion of the world, and, you know, he was pretty much undefeatable for most of that. I mean, he could have taken that loss, and it wouldn't have hurt him at all. But, you know, that's that's Hogan. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, that's just... It's just the way. Well, I mean, it, and it was like I said, it was a, it was a pretty good rumble. Uh, the four undercard matches were okay, but mm-hmm. you know, the the rumble itself is what I think most people are going to remember about that one. Uh, yeah. That set up, of course, WrestleMania six. Then the next year was Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety one. Uh, I remember this being a pretty good one. We got it was a pretty star studded rumble itself. We actually saw uh, the Undertaker participate in this one. This was his very first rumble. Mm-hmm. And also, this was the first Rumble where the WWE title, well, WWF at the time, would be defended. The Ultimate Warrior, the reigning champion, uh, defended his title this pay-per-view against Sergeant Slaughter. Mm-hmm. So that was the first. So this Rumble made history by being the first one to feature a WWF championship match. Yeah, and that was uh, famously, uh, you know, uh, Warrior was bashed in the head. Uh, I think it was by, by uh, Randy Savage's scepter. Or I'm sorry, yep. Macho King Scepter, and then uh, the Turncoat Sergeant Slaughter actually uh, defeated him for the for the WWF championship. Yeah, earlier in the night, Sherry had went out trying to coax Warrior into giving Randy a title shot because Slaughter said he already would. Warrior said no. Randy got pissed, mm-hmm. and but which didn't make sense because Savage never did get his title shot against Slaughter. <laughs> he would go on to have a career-ending match with Warrior at that following WrestleMania seven. Yeah, that that's another one that, you know, when we start, you know, I think maybe we'll do a series of, you know, the greatest WrestleMania matches or something. But but that's another one that, good Lord, that was a great match. Oh, it, it was it was the highlight of that WrestleMania for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. it would end up being Hogan and Slaughter for the title. Now, this this was not the year where they would enter, where they would say, you know, the winner of the Rumble would go on to face the champion. That would not come until uh, two years later. But. It yeah. actually ended up working out that way because Hogan once again was the winner of uh, of this Royal Rumble, and he would go on to face Slaughter at Mania for the title since Slaughter won the title at this event. Yeah, and um, and this in this match, uh, Rick Martel, the model, set the new uh, standard uh, with fifty two minutes uh, seventeen seconds, and uh, he had four eliminations, um, which Hogan had seven, but. Um, 
but for 52 minutes, um, Rick Martell was in that, that Royal Rumble match. Yeah, and another big standout was definitely The Undertaker. I mean, he stood yeah. out from the pack. You could tell that why he became the star that he became. Mm-hmm. He could have been booked better. He he wasn't in there that long. Um, yeah. But it took the Legion of Doom to, to take him out. And when they did, he landed on his feet when he uh, was knocked out from the ring. Nice. So you, you could definitely tell that, you know, that you, you were going to see serious things from this guy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing that happened was the uh, – Bushwhacker elimination. I guess it was Bushwhacker Luke. Um, came out doing his strut, went into the ring, immediately got tos- tossed over the top rope and went strutting to the back without even losing a step. <laughs> so I think he was in there for the same time as the Warlord with like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, Lord. So Freaking... I just, I just realized Shane Douglas was in this one, too. And the... The... Uh, you know, Crush when he was part of um, uh, Demolition was in this as well. So, pretty crazy. Yeah, and this was at a time, too, where, you know, the U.S. was in the midst of the uh, of the Gulf War. Mm. Uh, you know, stuff, you know, happening happening overseas. So, to have Slaughter come back and be the turncoat that he was, I, I remember, you know, them talking about where, you know, he had to worry about his family's safety, and they were getting death threats because you know he he went full yeah. scale with this. Yeah, they were they were very. Uh, it, there was a lot of hostility about it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, there was even one point where he talked about where uh, they wanted me, wanted him to burn the American flag on on national TV to really put it over, and he's like, he's like, no, he said, I won't burn the American flag, but he said, I'll I'll burn anything else you want me to burn. So they had him burn a. Hulk Hogan shirt, which yeah. you know Hulk Hogan kind of symbolized at that point America. Yeah, and that would have been a little easier for people to handle than seeing him actually burn the American flag on national TV. <laughs> yeah, I think that wouldn't have been probably the best best move they ever made. Um, and they, you know, they, you know, a few years later, or not a few, a lot years later, they had. Uh, uh, I believe Fit Finley was fired for having the Miz interrupt the national anthem um, at a live event. And, um, like, it's just not something that you mess around with. Um, and I, I think that I'm glad that they, you know, discretion won the day on that. Yeah, also, um, at this event, I, I had forgotten. This was actually the pay-per-view debut of uh, Dustin Rhodes. So, Dusty Rhodes, this was his last match with the company, actually, where him mm-hmm. and his son took on uh, Ted DiBiase and Virgil. So, this was Dustin's... Uh, pay-per-view oh. debut but and then they both left for wcw right after this oh okay huh and this is i what, didn't realize that. and this was the point where too where virgil after being years with the million dollar man finally finally was tired of the abuse and you know getting looked down upon by the million dollar man and he ter- finally turned on him and i remember the, the ovation man as soon as he came up and hit ted dibiase with the million dollar belt i mean the crowd just went nuts yeah, everybody was waiting for that. You know, you know, Ted DiBiase was such a jerk to so many people, and especially to Virgil, that uh, that that was a long time coming. And uh, yeah, I remember being excited about it as a kid. Um, and and like you said, even he got that that reign with the million dollar title, made it all the better. So after WrestleMania Seven, Hogan becomes champion again, and that would lead us to. 
the Royal Rumble 1992. Now, this to me is in my top five Royal Rumble pay-per-views ever. Not just the match itself, but the whole pay-per-view. Yeah. Big caveat to this one. So, this happened after Survivor Series, of course. Hogan and Undertaker had their championship match because of Ric Flair's interference. Mm -hmm. Taker won the title. They had their rematch six days later at the special Tuesday in Texas. Again, more controversy when Hogan won the title back, even with the president, Jack Tenney, sitting at ringside. So the title was declared vacant. And they decided that since the Royal Rumble was coming up, that the winner of the 92 Royal Rumble would actually become the WWE champion. Yeah, this this is, uh, yeah, like you said, this is one of the probably... I, honestly, in my mind, it's it's the it's the best it's the best Royal Rumble of all time, um, just just in my opinion. Um, and obviously, it was Ric Flair's debut in the Royal Rumble, um, and it was it was just everything that you would want. It, the stakes were high. The the storytelling was great. The 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 uh, lineup was star studded. Oh yeah, I mean, just look at the uh, star power in that match. You had. Shawn Michaels, fresh fresh on his heel turn. He'd just become a heel and split up with mm-hmm. Marty Jannetty and the Rockers. So he was just starting his his new gimmick. You had Undertaker and Hogan, who got to choose between numbers 20 to 30 since they were the last two men to hold the title. You had Ric mm-hmm. Flair. You had uh, uh, Razor Ramon. You had, I mean, just all different ca- kinds of stars, yeah. stars in the match. Yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake Roberts. <clears throat> Jimmy, Jimmy Snuka. uh like you said, Randy Savage, Roddy Rick Piper Martel. was in it. Yeah, Sid Justice was in it. I mean, it, and then uh, Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado. I think that was Kerry, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Kerry Kerry Von Erich was in it. Jake Roberts was in it. I mean, Jim Duggan, the the first winner, was in it. I mean, and and like I said, Jimmy Snuka as well. Uh, just 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 crazy amount of, you know, uh, especially at that time, just gigantic names. And you didn't really know who was going to win. I mean, I as a kid, I remember watching it, and I thought maybe I was like, well, they're going to give it to Hogan again. He's going to be the one. To... It never in my mind, it crossed my mind that it would be Ric Flair. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, now as an adult, I can see it, but as a kid, I didn't. I didn't really, you know, see that yeah. they would give it to Flair. And I, and I will say that this had to be one of the best announcing jobs by Bobby the Brain Heenan ever. He was a big Flair advocate. He was his. Um, personal consultant, so he was mm-hmm. definitely biased in this match for Flair. He, his famous line was, "You got to be fair to Flair." So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, Ric Flair he actually entered number three at this match and went the distance, uh, weren't yep. winning the whole thing. First, first guy to clock in over an hour, um, one hour and two seconds. Uh, he had the second most eliminations. Uh, Sid Justice had six to to uh, Ric Flair's five. Um, this one was a uh, this, this pay per view was memorable to me for another reason, um, and uh, I'm probably getting a little off topic, but um, they had uh, Rowdy Piper versus the Mountie. And yeah, I, was I think that. Was... Oh, okay, good because that I believe that was the first time Rowdy won a singles title. Yeah, so um, it was Bret Hart, I guess, that had had the flu or something leading up to this. So mm-hmm. they took the title off of him and gave it to the Mountie. And then two mm-hmm. days later, the Mountie defends it against Roddy Piper at the Royal Rumble, and it was his first, his first, yeah, his first ever title, which would lead to the classic match between him and Bret Hart at WrestleMania Eight. Yeah, and you know, like I've said this a million times, you know, this, the, I, you know, me speaking, I'm the probably the biggest Bret Hart mark there is, and um, 
man, that, uh, you know, being there live for that, it was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, and he was, you know, the first person to pin Roddy Piper's shoulders to the mat. Um, and that's, that was a big honor and a big, big deal for him. And, uh, uh, but yeah, that, that whole setup, that whole storyline was, was fantastic. I remember Roddy, uh, you know, stuck the, uh, the Mounties cattle prod in a bucket of water and then shocked him with it. And, um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was, it was classic Roddy, but I mean, at this point he, there was no way he was going to be a heel. Um, you know, he was, everybody loved his, his antics, even though he was, you know, you know, still doing heel tactics everybody loved him so yeah this would actually be hulk hogan's last appearance on a royal rumble so this was his, his this was his very last appearance because he took time off the rest of 92 into 93 and then he only came back yeah. in 93 for mania and then after king of the ring he took off and didn't reappear again until 2002 but he never took part in another royal rumble this was his very last one and wow. i remember I he was such a sore loser in it because he got dumped by sid justice and then yeah. he holds on to Justice's arm, and Ric Flair comes from behind to, let, to eliminate him. So when you look yeah. at it, Hulk Hogan was the reason Ric Flair became champion and won the match. Yeah, and that, that's something we talked about before. Um, you know, obviously the the long goal there was to set up the the Hogan Flair match. Um, obviously, that didn't happen until you know '94 with in WCW even. Um, but like like we've talked about before, you know that that one was. On Coliseum Home Video, they had to dub it because people were booing Hogan out of the building, and uh, I guess Vince couldn't handle that. You know, he wanted he thought Hogan should be the good guy in that scenario for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> well, that would that would lead us to the classic Hulk Hogan Sid Justice match that would take place at WrestleMania Eight, which took place here in Indianapolis, but me and you both attended. Yeah, but I'd rather talk about Piper and Hart or <laughs> or, or, or uh, Flair and Randy Savage. Yeah, so how that setup was originally, it was going to be Hogan against Flair. I mean, that was the whole reason right. that they went this route. Hogan was actually mm-hmm. chosen to be Flair's opponent, but the reports were around that they weren't having very good matches at house shows. I don't know what the real reason was why they didn't want to have them main event yeah. Mania Eight, but we actually got something better because. They threw Randy Savage into the mix with Flair saying he had an affair with with his wife and all that, yeah. but and they ended up having having a great championship match, which should have closed the show. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. You know, we've talked about it before, and it's it bears repeating. You know, it was it was the wrong call on that night. Well, I remember too when Ric Flair was presented the title. Man, that was that interview with him at the end, and. Mm-hmm. I always remember the quote that he he said. He goes, "With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest night of my life." Him winning the WWF title. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that I thought. Looking back now, I was I was happy for Flair. I wasn't a big player. I I knew him from the WCW, but yeah, I was like, why would they give this guy, you know, the the title? I didn't understand it at the time. Of course, being a kid, yeah, you don't think about that kind of those kinds of things, but. Right. And it's, you know, if you haven't listened to our three part Ric Flair series, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, the way and, and the way that Vince treated the guy that was synonymous with the NWA um, is shocking in comparison to the way that he treated a lot of the other people that came over. I mean, he, you know, strapped Dusty Rhodes into polka dots and made him wrestle next to, you know, old age hookers or whatever, whatever uh, Sapphire was supposed to be. And, you know, but Ric Flair, he always treated him with the utmost respect. 
And um, it's it's crazy to me uh, to believe that, that Vince McMahon was behind all that. Yeah, I mean, I th- like I said, I think he looked at, at Flair as being, you know, everybody wanted the dream match. Hogan Flair, they were yeah. the two biggest stars of the 80s of their two separate yeah. prom- promotions. So I think Vince was really banking on getting that that big money match out of the two of them, and I don't know why he just never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. So then we would go to the year 1993. Now this 1993 was a pivotal year in WWE because it meant change. A lot of changes. Uh, The 1992 Mm -hmm. steroid trial took place. Vince McMahon decided to get rid of a lot of the talent that he had and brought on some Mm -hmm. different people. Um, So the talent pool had diminished quite a bit because of it. You know, he got rid of a lot of the, the big buff guys that potentially yeah. could be on steroids and went with what was then being now being called the new generation being led yep. uh, by Bret Hart. Yep. Yep. Champion Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah. So the Hogan, the Hogan era was pretty much finished by the time 93 came around. Uh, of course, he found a way into the WWF title match at WrestleMania nine, but he wasn't a full timer. Uh, the company was moving on without him and with the new yeah. face of the company being Bret Hart. And he was the champion uh, heading into this show. And starting with this show, the WWF title was going to start being defended. So basically from the Royal Rumble on now to this point, starting in 93, whoever the champion mm-hmm. was coming out of the Rumble would go into Mania as the defending champion, defending against the Royal Rumble winner. This was the year they acknowledged that that was going to be the new rule going forward. Yeah, and it's, it's it's honestly the perfect setup, um, you know, and it's it's been done really well, and there's been other times where it hasn't been done well, um, but it's it's the perfect setup, you know. There should be an ultimate reward for for winning something as prestigious as the Royal Rumble, right? It, it made you know, it feel more from, special. You know, it made it feel like, yeah, you know, exactly. the winner got, got actually got a prize out of it. He got to face yeah. the champion at at main, main event WrestleMania. Yeah. There's there's stakes to it, and that's that makes it even more important and more integral to the to the big four of you know pay per views. I remember at this pay per view, the Steiner brothers made their debut. Uh, they weren't with mm-hmm. the company very long, but uh, they made their debut at this event. I think they were in the first match. Shawn Michaels was really coming into his own. He had a match with Marty Jannetty at this event, and he was really yeah. starting to he started to break off from Sherry because she was his first manager, and he became a heel. And Michaels was starting to uh, really come come into his own as as a heel, but I think that's where his problems are starting yeah. as well. Well, you know, and I, I just want to take this moment to to really thank Vince for getting away from the steroid people by bringing in Scott Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> well, now to be fair, Scott wasn't as big then as he as he would become later on. No, I, I mean yeah, Scott could sure. still move around. He was still very agile. He introduced the Frankensteiner to the WWE, oh, yeah. so he was he was still very small considering what he became uh, later on in life. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, even even when I'm watching in, in 96 WCW, or, or, yeah, I'm still in 96, Scott is huge, but he can still move like a cruiserweight. It's, I mean, we, we'll probably do an episode on him one day. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that I'm really conflicted about because he's such an, like, a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> That, it, that it's hard to like him, but man, he's so talented that it's hard not to like him. Well, especially but, during uh, his early run. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of the Steiner brothers, and when I heard them coming to WWF, oh, I was like, oh man, this is cool. I mean, like, they didn't get a long run. I think they were only there for a year, but 
and it was just so cool that you know you got to see Rick and Scott uh, show show their stuff to a WWF audience that had previously probably never yeah. seen them. Yeah, I remember. Um, I think it was WrestleMania Nine. They faced uh, was it Haku and um, the Barbarian, maybe or it, uh, I can't remember now. But they they had a really great match with uh, with the Islanders. I think it was. Yeah, it was the Islanders. Yeah, um, and uh, I just remember that really sticking out to me. And, too, and, you know. The Islanders. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So Rikishi. Yes. <laughs> That's what Fatu was, was Rikishi. Yeah, yeah, he did it for The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> even, even then, when The Rock was just a kid, he did it for The Rock. <laughs> he did everything for The Rock. <laughs> but uh, I remember Bret Hart, so he, he defended the title at this event, and it was against Razor Ramon. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think Razor was just given to him as somebody to defend the title against. I don't think Razor did yeah. anything. But they had a pretty good match. I mean, Razor showed that he belonged. Uh, he was new to the WWF. He was kind of new. He was he'd been there for a few months, but they'd given mm-hmm. him this Tony Montana Scarface gimmick, which worked out yeah. you know really well. And I thought they had a pretty good match with Bret Hart retaining the title. Yeah, Scott Scott was like the perfect type of uh, opponent for Bret, um, just just because of his his length. Um, it made the sharpshooter look better, you know, when he locked him in it and. Um, just, just the way that he can work. I mean, Scott Scott Hall, and you know, he's another guy. For better or worse, probably one of the most talented people that have ever set foot in a ring. Without a doubt. So, uh, for this thirty-man Royal Rumble, uh, Ric Flair actually ended up entering number one. Uh, Bob back mm-hmm. number two, and this was Flair's uh, last Rumble as well. For you know, until WCW closes doors, he. He would go on the next night to lose a loser leaves town match to Mr. Perfect, and he left the WWF after that. But uh, he had a, he had a pretty good showing in the match. But the match ultimately came down to Randy Savage and Yokozuna, who was new to the roster. He was a big mm-hmm. six hundred pound Samoan that they billed as being a Japanese. Yeah, uh, Grant, you know, basically a Japanese sumo wrestler, and he ended up uh, winning the match to go on to Mania to face Bret Hart for the for the title. Yeah, and uh, man, Yokozuna for for as big as he was, uh, just absolutely gifted, uh, talented, and gifted wrestler. Uh, obviously, his size eventually got away from him, um, but uh, like you said, uh, you, you know, he came in and he was just devastating. Uh, I remember he he bonsai dropped. I think it was Jim Duggan, and it was like a a very like they treated it very seriously. Like you know, Jim Duggan was legitimately hurt. And um, yeah, it was it was a great setup for WrestleMania nine, and then obviously you know that that main event got you know upstaged by Hulk Hogan, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, so Bob, Bob uh, Backlund actually did well in this match. He ended up uh, being the Iron Man. Sixty one minutes was how long he lasted in this match. And if uh, if you listeners don't know who Bob Backlund was, uh, basically he was WWF champion. Uh, prior to the Iron Cheek, who lost the title to Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Bob so Black he was, was the second longest reigning champion after Brent Martino. You know. Yep, and uh, he actually came back at this point and was working. I don't, I don't think at this point he was crazy yet. Um, but he started working as like a crazy old school guy and uh, ended up defeating Bret Hart for the WWF Championship in '94. Yeah, at this point in time, he was just brought back. He was a 
he was a white meat baby face. That's very standard mm-hmm. with his wrestling, and the crowd didn't get behind him. That's why that's why they turned him heel because his his time with you know with the white meat baby face era was was ending. Yeah, absolutely. So Yokozuna had the most eliminations with seven, and um, you know I think Randy Savage was a good was a good guy to have in there. I kind of wish Randy Savage would have won because he left the WWF shortly after. He became kind mm-hmm. of an announcer, but. They ended up giving it to Yoko, and he ended up main eventing, main eventing with Bret Hart. I also remember this Rumble because, like I said, the talent wasn't that great. It wasn't it wasn't the star-studded Rumble like the year before it was. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Undertaker getting attacked by Giant Gonzalez to set up their feud, that absolutely sucked. <laughs> he eliminated Undertaker from the match. It was, it was probably the worst feud of Undertaker's career. I mean, it was just – it was bad. Well, I mean, you know, when you start – start off with your opponent having an airbrushed aspect. <laughs> it, it really it, there's no way to go uphill from that. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> and then we get to the uh, 1994 Royal Rumble. Uh, I remember actually enjoying this event because this is the event where they started to push uh, Owen Hart. This was the start of his big push. Uh, mm-hmm. If you remember at this event, he actually uh, teamed up with Bret Hart to go after the tag team titles. They had seen some dissension mm-hmm. at the previous Survivor Series. They made up with this event. Uh, Bret Hart, you know, kayfabe hurt his knee. It wouldn't tag in Owen and got beat. Owen blamed him for it. Yeah. And basically, you know, uh, attacked Bret after the match. That's one thing I'll remember from this Royal Rumble. Yep. And the, the Quebecers, uh, man, um, Pierre from the Quebecers, I don't know if uh, a lot of people know this, but He's wrestling as PCO in the Ring of Honor right now, and he's tearing it up. Um, and this is, you know, what, 20 years later. Um, just absolutely talented guys um, that that they actually defeated. And, and Johnny Polo, their manager, was Raven. Yeah, he, he became so. Raven. <laughs> I remember Owen Hart gave a very good promo after this, but unfortunately – the one thing that people are going to remember from this promo is the flub that he made there at the end when he said, um, I, I kicked your leg out of your leg. <laughs> he screwed up on that. That would have been the best promo ever if, if he wouldn't have said, if he wouldn't have messed up that last line. And unfortunately, that's what people remember about that. And that's not the yeah. great promo that it actually started out being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that that was... I would say uh, Owen attacked him after they lost the the match, correct? Yeah, he did. But it, but in a way, it was a heelish thing to do. But when you see it from Owen's point of view, it's like Bret Hart could have tagged him, and he didn't. So looked at yeah. it as Bret was being nothing but selfish. Selfish. Well, and that's for himself and didn't want to pass it on to anybody else. Well, and that's what, you know, that's what great storytelling is, you know, and that's what we talk about a lot. You know, we're big, we're big comic book guys. The best villains are the ones that think they're the good guy. And I think that's really what made Owen so great as a as a foil for Brett is, you know, he thought he was in the right. Yeah. So. And then you had uh, the championship was again defended. Uh, Yokozuna had become champion again, and he defended against the Undertaker in the first casket match <clears throat> at the Royal Rumble. This was not a great match. I mean, these two were friends, the legitimate friends, but it was not the greatest match. It's all right. And I remember it's Taker losing. Losing the match uh, because of a, a bunch of heels interfered and put him in the casket. And we talked about this in our Undertaker retrospective. 
yeah. about him, you know, rising, you know, the casket cam and him rising above saying that the Undertaker will will return. But this was his last time in the WWF until Survivor Series of that year. Yeah, I remember uh, that. That's one that like people remember very vividly is him ascending to the heavens and um, like it was a whole big production. Um, but but it was it was you know that's what the Undertaker's gimmick was at that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the, the Royal Rumble, um, the star power was a little better than it was the year before. Um, I remember though that this was right after uh, the experiment with Lex Luger trying to make him the next Hulk Hogan. You know, he mm. ended up winning the match against Yokozuna at SummerSlam, but he didn't win the title, so I didn't get the big celebration at the end. It's like. Okay, you won the match by countout. You didn't win the title, <laughs> you know. But they're celebrating like he did. Um, but it came down actually to uh, him and Brett in this, and this was the first time where we would have a dual winner at the Royal Rumble. Both of their feet touched the ground at the same time, so both men were declared the winner of this match. Yeah, I think I think honestly that was probably the the smoothest that they've ever pulled that off. They've tried several several times. Um, you know, and sometimes it's clearly not that, you know, clearly both feet don't touch. And sometimes Vincent Van rips both of his quads trying to get into the ring. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that was the best, the best version of that, that they've done to be, to be honest. So they, they'd go on to WrestleMania that they actually both got their title shot, but they would have it. Um, Lux Luger would win the coin toss to face Yokozuna first if he won. He would face Bret Hart later on the night for the championship, and because he was wrestling twice, uh, Bret Hart would have to wrestle twice, and he ended up wrestling his brother in one of the best openers in WrestleMania history. Yeah, absolutely. He actually put put Owen over. Yeah, he did. Um, and then you know that was the whole that was the impetus for SummerSlam. You know, this was a, an entire year of storyline um, set up. You know, with him and his brother. Because, you know, Brett or Owen was now mad that Brett won the title in the main event of WrestleMania 10 and he had beat him early in, earlier in the night. So he's, you know, it, it was a whole, you know, you should it should have been me type of thing. Yeah. And then, um, so Brett, yeah. So Brett ended, did end up winning the title that night. I remember this. So this pay per view, Bam Bam Bigelow was the only one that was in there the longest at 30 minutes. Uh, All right. But Diesel had the most eliminations with seven. I remember he was in the ring for alone for a while because everybody kept coming in and he kept throwing out. So this was a, a star-making match for Diesel that really put him up in the upper echelon, Diesel being Kevin Nash. Yeah, they, that, they were really trying to get him as a, as a dominant, dominant baby face. Um, and, you know, that, that, that'll do it. Um, you know, just tossing people out of the ring and, and owning the ring. Um, makes for a for a special showcase. Yeah, so Diesel was was definitely made at that show, and then we'd get to probably one of the worst years financially for WWF or WW yeah for the WWF, which was the 1995 Royal Rumble. Uh, this was not really a great show. Uh, the talent was really bad at this point. Um, the only highlight of it, I think, was the championship match between Bret Hart and Diesel. The uh, Diesel was the champion. And it ended in a in a disqualification because a bunch of heels interfered. But yeah, it was not the great match they would have at Survivor Series that year. But it was still a still a pretty good match, probably the best match on the show. 
Yeah, I remember this one um, as far as, you know, being, you know, I like Sean as well. And um, for him to be the first one to go the distance um, and win from number one was, uh, I remember that being a big deal. And actually Bulldog, uh, Sean and Bulldog entered one and two, and they were the last two guys in the match. But they didn't have the longest time um, intervals for this match where it was only a minute. So they, they uh, so this was the first Royal Rumble where they were actually only 60 seconds. Instead of the standard ninety or one hundred and twenty. Oh, okay. Because uh, if because yeah, the match kinda... only only went thirty eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. It says Sean did uh, thirty eight forty one, which you know we're talking ninety two. Ric Flair went over yeah. an hour, uh, and he entered at number three. So so, so yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Him so him and Go Bulldog ahead. both had the thirty eight minutes. See, Bulldog actually thought he won this match when he threw Sean over, but only one of Sean's feet touched the ground. And when you look on the replay, it, it was indeed, you know. So, Sean actually came back in and eliminated Bulldog to, to win the match. He actually had the most eliminations, too, with eight people. But that's when they came up with the rule that both feet have to touch the ground. And only because only one of Sean's feet touched the ground, he was able to re-enter and eliminate the Bulldog. What's weird about that is that in the 92 Rumble, Randy Savage actually eliminated himself when he did accent off the top onto Jake Roberts. They let him go back in because at that point yeah. he said you can't eliminate yourself. I think Randy was just it was it was by by nature by habit because you'd always do that double accent off the top yeah. rope. Yeah, just yeah, the mental error. It, was. it was a mental error, and they said, well, because he didn't eliminate himself, yeah. he, he could go back in. Of course, that would change later on, but. But yeah, I just remember that '95 Rumble. It, it wasn't the greatest star-studded Rumble. Um, I, I was glad that Shawn no. Michaels won, but it was it was probably the shortest Rumble match in history. Yeah, and, and Shawn actually uh, made history as the first Royal Rumble winner to lose um, his WrestleMania challenge uh, as he was defeated by uh, his Diesel, right? Yeah, so he cashed in against Diesel, for Diesel you know, of course, because yeah. of the disqualification, he won the match at, yeah. at the Rumble against Bret Hart, and he actually ended up losing the match. Yeah. They brought in Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy back when they when they were hot, and I don't think neither of them were really uh, oh, happy God. to be there. I think you know you just knew they were there because they were getting they were getting paid. <clears throat> yeah, there's more more plastic at ringside than than in a JTG <laughs> action figure. Well, one thing specific about this rumble too is it set up the match between Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor from the NFL, which ended up main eventing WrestleMania 11. Yeah, and that that was a really good showing from from LT. Um, you know, obviously this isn't a WrestleMania show, but uh, but for for what it was, um, you know, he he really brought something to that match. And then we go on. We're going to talk about one more Royal Rumble, the last one of tonight, and that's going to be the 1996 okay. Royal Rumble. Now, so the WWF after coming off one of the worst years in its company's history in 1995. Uh, this year was better in terms of making money, and they were able to start building a better roster. Uh, while WCW was getting hotter and building their audience, uh, the WWF was, you know, they're still trying to figure things out. But I think it was a, uh, 1996 was a better year for them than the previous three three years have been, and you started to see the future main eventers. Steve Austin made his event. Triple H made his debut at this event. Uh, Gold Dust. Uh, Dustin Rose mm-hmm. returning to the company, made his return as uh, Gold Dust. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, they weren't the stars that they would end up being, but you started to see um, <clears throat> the makings of what, what would end up becoming one of the most profitable eras in WWF history. Yeah, well, Rocky Maivia absolutely. also uh, and Mankind were also at this event. So uh, it was pretty star-studded. I mean, not back then, but looking back at now, it was pretty star-studded. Yeah, in retrospect, it's it's one of those things. I mean, like Triple H was the first person in in the in the Royal Rumble match proper, uh, you know, and that's you know whether you like him or not, you can't deny what Triple H has done for for wrestling, um, you know, in his in his career. Um, so to say he's you know that's insignificant is 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 not right, but and he actually went forty eight minutes in that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Goldust made his debut against Razor Ramon. Goldust was kind of doing the seductive gimmick where he was rubbing all over Razor. Now, I, from what I read, Scott Hall was not comfortable working with Goldust and re- refused to work with him again after this mm-hmm. event because I guess they were supposed to have a match at Mania, and uh, Scott Hall uh, refused to do it. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I've read about that too. Um, Scott Hall was uncomfortable with how he thought that he would be perceived. Um, and that ended up being the, um, the infamous, uh, backlot Hollywood backlot brawl with cold dust and Rowdy Piper that ended with a, uh, uh, <laughs> OJ chase, which was super topical. Yeah. I remember that, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and this was, you know, Sean became the first, uh, back to back. Second um, Hulk Hogan was by, first. By take- Oh no! I'm sorry. Yeah, he you're was right. The first back to back winner my to bad. get a championship guaranteed opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah. So he actually won this yeah. match by uh, eliminating Diesel um, from mm-hmm. the match. But yeah, you actually said Triple H. He went 48 minutes, so he went the longest. Shawn Michaels again had the most eliminations with eight people. Uh, I remember too because Mr. Perfect mm-hmm. was on commentary, and he's like, "So Shawn Michaels after eliminate Diesel started like doing little strip tease in the ring and." <laughs> Diesel was coming behind him. Mr. Perfect was like, Sean needs to pay attention. Diesel's coming up behind him. He's in there taking his clothes off. (laughs) (laughs) He was, I thought Mr. Perfect was pretty good on commentary. He, I mean, Perfect was somebody that could do it all. Kurt Henning was a a great all-around natural athlete and everything. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, even on commentary, uh, he was fantastic. And Man, this was this was honestly the Road Rumble that made me fall in love with the the Road to WrestleMania. Um, you know, because they had this just great build up to that Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12. Um, probably not their greatest match, even, but but it was just just the build up, the you know watching them train. It was like a Rocky movie, and and they they built on it for months, and uh, and it it really made me fall in love with this idea of the Royal Rumble winner going on to, to, you know, try to achieve their ultimate goal at WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, uh, speaking of Bret Hart, he actually, they actually closed the show with the championship match between him and the undertaker. It was the first championship match between okay. the two. Uh, Diesel was leaving the ring and he had a confrontation with undertaker in the, in the aisle way, which would set up their WrestleMania match. Um, the match between this first match nice. between Brad and Taker wasn't that great. Um, their SummerSlam 1997 mm-hmm. match was much better, but 
I remember Diesel ended up getting involved and costing Taker the match. Uh, and then at the following pay-per-view, Bret Hart would defend the title against Diesel in a steel cage. Taker cost him the match, which <clears throat> would lead to their WrestleMania 12 encounter. But that's how this Royal Rumble ended. Like I said, I'll just yeah. remember this one for, you know, the, the appearances of these. Like, Steve Austin was in there. He didn't have a great run in this match. He was still the ringmaster. He wasn't stone cold yet. Right. Uh, but you saw the seeds, right. and of course, when we talk when we talk tomorrow night, uh, talking about the '97 Rumble, uh, you'll see all the the major star power that was starting to to really to really build up to push WWE over WCW. Yeah, like you said, this this was a turning point. Um, you know, they weren't they weren't all the way back yet, but they were finding their their way, and um, you know, it's. Uh, it's going to be a fun fun ride to 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 get up to the to the current. Oh day. yeah, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we got a few minutes left here. Um, so we're we're going to start with 1997. Uh, as Jesse said, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night when we record. Um, you know, we want to thank you guys for for joining us every week uh, for your iTunes reviews uh, on the uh, Apple Podcast, the Purple Icon, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, obviously we appreciate all of that and, um, you know, uh, we do this for fun. Uh, we're live, obviously you probably <laughs> heard my alarm, <laughs> my door alarm go off earlier and, and my door open and, you know, we, we do not, we don't polish this show up. This is just us talking about wrestling like we always do. And, you know, we, we're inviting you guys into our world. So, um, you know, remember that when you're thinking about podcasts, because, you know, a lot of the other ones have, you know, fancy producers or, you know, people that sit there for hours and make sure everything sounds perfect. Uh, you know, we're not going to do that. You know, we're, we're honest and we're truth, you know, truthful and we're going to be forthright with you. And um, so that's my soapbox for the night. Uh, Jesse, you ready to tell everybody? Oh, your, yeah. But I also want to say here? Uh, just to bring up a quick bit of news. I remember we was talking about how. Uh... Vince McMahon wanted to make the product more watchable by trying to push Lars Sullivan. And he was like, not enough, not enough Lars Sullivan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they released Lars Sullivan from his contract. Yeah. So um, I feel bad kind of making fun of him. Uh, as It sounds like he uh, has some crippling anxiety. Um, he, he got to the point where he couldn't even eat on the day of shows. Um, so... You know, I, you know, he's obviously made some really crappy comments in the past. Um, but, you know, I hope, uh, you know, whatever, whatever happens for him next is, you yeah, know, he said he's I done with wrestling good. and he understands why WWE made the decision yeah. to split from him. He said his decisions that he's made is the bad ones have been on his, on him. So, but yeah, I just want to tell yeah, everybody, uh, stay absolutely. safe, be smart, join us tomorrow night as we go down this road of, uh, Royal Rumble pay-per-views. I tell you, this first show was fun for me. I like going back down this road and, and revisiting those events. And if you ever get a chance, get on the network, watch some of these. Just watch the Rumble matches if you don't want to watch anything else because they're, they're a lot of fun. But be safe, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow night. Absolutely.